This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you here. God bless you. Glad to see you in the house of the Lord. If you're a guest, we welcome you. Everybody else, I'm glad you're here too. If you're watching by live stream, good to have you. If you need a Bible, get your hand up really, really, really high, and our ushers would get the Word of God in your hand. And once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, you may say, where is Ruth? You will go Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then 1 Samuel. So it's right there in that order. Go to the book of Ruth where we'll begin. So we're on our series here, The Called, and we'll be on that this week. And then next Sunday is Palm Sunday, then Easter Sunday. And then we come back and we'll pick back up on The Called. But every one of us in here, we're called to God's purpose for our life. He has a purpose for every one of us. And our purpose is more than just getting born again. That's the beginning point. God desires that every one of us be saved, but he has kingdom purpose. So in saying that, God, God wants to tell every one of our stories. He wants to write a book about us. And each one of us in here, we got some chapters of our life that we would kind of rather them not be in the book. But those chapters of our life are part of our testimony. And God, God uses that to win other people to him. And so today you're going to begin to see how it's not just how you start, but it's how you finish. And God's not done with you, okay? God will write some stories of your life. So we begin here in the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Now, Ruth is only four chapters, and we're not going through all of them. We'll, we'll hide, highlight several of them. But the book of Ruth mentions God 25 times at the minimum. Also, the book of Ruth, to me, if it was a movie, would be a box office hit with courageous love and courageous devotion. So we begin here, Ruth 1, verse 1. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Now, understand this, when the, the, the judges ruled, it was a, a state of spiritual confusion and compromise. It was a very, very dark time because society would make themselves the final authority without reference to God. And that's why this was such a dark, dark time. So it says that there was famine in the land. And many times with famine, you'll see drought. So I just wonder if this dark part of time was a result of the famine and the drought because they quit serving God. They quit honoring, O oh God. He goes on to say, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, he went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. Verse 2. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. His two sons were Malan and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, which meant their home was in Bethlehem. And they went to dwell in the country of Moab, and they remained there. Now, for a person from Bethlehem, and the word Bethlehem means house of bread, for a person to move from Bethlehem to Moab, this reveals how bad it was. Because Moab would be a place where it's kind of like the events of your life that were bad. You would rather just forget about them. 
Moab's a place where you say, you know what? I just want to skip that chapter of my life. I don't want to live that again. Anybody in here have a chapter of your life kind of like that? Probably every one of us. So this highlights again how, how bad it was in this time. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. So now, she goes to Bethlehem, or from Bethlehem to Moab, and her husband dies. Now, this is, this is severe in the land they're in because this was very, very difficult on a, a widow in a foreign land. Verse 4. Now, the two sons took wives of women of Moab. The name was one was Orpah and the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. So the Bible gets us pretty good Notification here that they've been in, in Moab now 10 years. And just remember this, this thought here. For me to change the city I live in, for me to change a job, a home, there's nothing wrong with that. But a change of a city, a change of a job, my outward scenery never changes my heart. See, when we look to things outwardly to change our heart, it's not going to happen. So they've been in, in Moab 10 years. Verse 5. Then both Malin and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her, and her own husband. So when you look at this, for this woman, Naomi, if it's possible, it goes from bad to worse. And now her life is, is described in one word, I believe, tragedy. And when I say tragedy, it's kind of like, why do bad things happen to good people? And sometimes that, that's us to a T. That's, that's what's happening to us. So now you have three widows. And so the reality for them is, is very grim. It's very bad. It doesn't look good at all. So the one named Naomi tells the two daughter-in-laws, she says, I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back to the house of bread. In other words, she said, I'm going back to God. I'm going back to my spiritual roots. And can I tell you, God's good with that. God, God likes when we come back to him. And so as she tells these two daughter-in-laws she's going back to Bethlehem, she urges both of them. She says, don't go with me. Don't follow me. Stay right here in Moab. So Ruth and Oprah right now are in a very similar situation that me and you can be in. Do I stay or do I go? And so again, the mother-in-law is saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. But for them to not go just wasn't a physical deal. It just wasn't a, a natural deal for them to say whether they went or not had spiritual implications. And the thing is with this woman named Ruth, and it's like every one of us, when we give our heart to God, we never know where our being saved will ultimately take us to, and not only where it will ultimately take us to, how many people... Will it change because of your one choice? Now, when we begin to read this more and more, you're going to see. 
just one choice of one human being can influence generation after generation after generation over and over and over again. So we go to the same chapter, verse 16. So Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Naomi, entreat me not to leave you. Don't urge me to leave you. Don't encourage me to leave you. Or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you, or wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Now, you know what she's saying right there? I'm family. I'm committed. I, I'm loyal. I, I have a devotion to you now. But it doesn't just stop there. And I believe when she says all that to her mother-in-law, I'm going where you're going. She reveals here at the end of verse 16 why she said that. Now watch this. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. In other words, the reason I'm going with you is not because I just love you. I love your God. Now, something in those 10 years of her life, Ruth began to see the Hebrew God, Yahweh, and the Hebrew Savior, what we just sang, Yeshua. There's something different about them. And so she, she makes it clear here, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to follow God. Now, here's a great point for you to see this. Ruth's a Mobite. And you may say, what's the big deal of a Mobite? She was born on the wrong side of the river. In other words, the nation of Israel is this side. The nation of Moab, which is modern-day Jordan, is this side. And the thing that divides them to this day is the Jordan River. And many times we have the thought, God wouldn't welcome us because we're born on the wrong side of the river. But that doesn't matter to God. That doesn't disqualify us. No matter what people say. Verse 17. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts you and I. So Ruth right here, she begins to reveal her friendship, her loyalty. Her commitment to God and even her mother-in-law right here. And so when you see the Lord so, do so to me indicates Ruth understands the nature of Yahweh right here. And, and she invokes God's name in her oath. And her commitment is rooted in the understanding of the living God. She realized, I'm, I'm going to serve God. And, and so when you, you look at everything she's talking about right here, she understands. These two nations were ethically divided. And crossing these barriers, not only of culture, race, and gender, it's not easy. But when you choose to put God first, God will begin to move in your life. And so this is what this woman says. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. Verse 18. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. 
And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? Now, if you read into that, just a hair, just a little bit. All the people of, of Bethlehem, they were thrilled that they were coming back to the things of God. And, and I think that's an insight to me and you when we look. When people come back to the things of God, we ought to celebrate that. We ought to be happy for that. And so they're coming back into Bethlehem. Verse 20. But Naomi, she said to them, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Pleasant. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. Now why would she say call me bitter? Listen to her words here. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and if you went out full, why'd you go to Moab in the first place? But I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi right here, she reflects human nature. She blames God. And she blames God right here for her personal choices and her sin nature. It's God's your fault. But I can't find anywhere where God got her in a headlock and said, move to Moab. That was her choice. Like I said, this often reveals human nature. And so she inappropriately right here, she, she indicates her circumstances to be the result of God's punitive action. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Call me bitter. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And so you can begin to see that the words out of her mouth and the way she thinks is now molding her or shaping her, and it'll do the same for us. Let me give you just a hair of advice here. Don't ever ask for the advice from a bitter person because they're just going to give you a bitter perspective because that's all they know. And so they go to, back to Bethlehem, chapter 2. Verse number one, there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. So they go back to Bethlehem, and the Bible begins to highlight here some key people in here. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper in this guy named Boaz, okay? Verse two, so Ruth the Moabitess, and, and watch Watch today how many times the Bible will say, Ruth the Moabitess. It's almost a continual reminder of, this is where I used to be, but I'm not there anymore. Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean, glean heads of grain after him in whose sight, that I may find favor that I may find grace. And Naomi said to her, go my daughter. So you begin to see something here about Ruth's character, Ruth's nature. Ruth takes the first step. She makes the first 
not only step, but her, her first initiative right here. And she says, I, I'm going to go to work. I'm not going to sit around. Now, let me throw something in here for you with Ruth. Ruth's not a gold digger. Ruth doesn't have hidden agenda. Ruth said, I desire to go to the field and work. Verse 3. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Now, you got to understand the word glean here. The word glean was a practice that was implemented way, way, way back for the Jews. And so if you saw the field that was like a square, everything that you would put a circle around that square is all the outside corners. They were to leave the outside corners for the poor. And if you noticed here, they wouldn't pick the grain for the poor. The poor had to go out and get it. But yet this was something that God instituted years and years ago. So evidently this guy named Boaz, he knew what was going on. And this woman named Ruth, she goes out to pick up the leftovers. Into verse 3. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Elimelech. So you know what I see right there when you read that? God ordered her steps. God still orders the steps of the righteous. And this was a woman again who wasn't looking for a handout. But she gets to Boaz's field. And, and I believe it, it was a divine appointment. I believe it's what we call a kingdom connection. But none of this happens unless she gets out and says, I'm going to go and do something. I got to do something to take care of myself and my mother-in-law. And so now, not only is God taking note of Ruth, what she's doing, but so does this guy named Boaz. He begins to see day after day after day. And when you study here with Ruth, she would go and glean, and the Bible says from morning to evening. So day by day by day, this guy named Boaz, he sees this woman coming into his field. Now remember, Boaz is a description of covenant faithfulness. He knew what it meant to, to leave the field to glean, and because he obeyed that from God to glean, could that be why in verse number one, it said specifically he was a man of great wealth? I believe it is. You do things God's ways, God will bless you. He'll bless you. I don't care who you are. So now, Boaz, again, is taking great note of her. I mean, he's, he's saying, who, who is this woman? And they said, she's this Moabite woman. It's all we know. She came back from Moab. And so now in, in chapter 2, verse 10, uh, Boaz and Ruth, they come face to face. So we read here in verse 10. So she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground. And she said to him, why have I found favor or grace in your eyes? that she should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner. I'm a Moabite. Why would you take notice of me? Why would you give favor for me? That's what happens when we become children of God. God begins to move in our lives supernaturally 
just like this with Ruth. Verse 11, and Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of her husband. Now listen, listen real close. Watch and take note here of the things that got Boaz's attention. Number one, I've seen what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of her husband. I, I've paid attention. I know what you've done. And sometimes it's the little things in life that we do or don't do that makes a huge difference. And then it says right here, and how you have left your father and mother. Not easy. And you've left the land of birth and if you come to a people you did not know before. So the three things that stood out, you took care of your mother-in-law, you left your mom and dad, and you came to a new country. This is almost word for word what took place with a man named Abraham in Genesis 12. So anytime I make this commitment right here to honor God in these areas of my life, it's not easy. It can be very difficult. But if you'll notice right here, she's saying, man, I had to let my family go. Doesn't mean I don't love them. I had to get rid of my past, everything that had to do with Moab. And sometimes that's with us. I got to get rid of everything with Moab. Verse 12. Now listen to what Boaz says to her. The Lord repay your work. The Lord. The Lord's going to do it. In other words, don't look to me, look to the Lord. And a full reward be given to you, who? By the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to refuge. And so right here, man, he begins to, to tell her, God saw everything you're doing. Now think about this real quick. This is a woman that has three strikes against herself. She's a woman She's a Mobite, and now she's a widow. But in God's eyes, gender, nationality, being born on the wrong side of the river, that doesn't disqualify you, okay? Our, our God is an equal opportunity God. But there's two types of people. There's two types of people that come to Bethlehem. The people that come to Bethlehem that want to be a blessing and the people that come to, blessing, or to Bethlehem for a blessing. She said, I'm going to come to Bethlehem because I want to be a blessing. And so we begin to see some things in, in Ruth's life just like mine and yours. Are you at a place in your life where you're at a crossroads? Do I stay or do I go? Do I serve God or do I go back to Moab? See, if it was easy, why didn't the other daughter-in-law, why didn't she go too? So what all that symbolized? Ruth was a new creation. She followed God. Orpah said, I'm going to stay in Moab. I'm going to stay in my past. I'm going to stay how life's always been. And that's the same place we get to, every one of us. Now, I got a paraphrase for you just a little bit here. When you get to chapter 3, over and over it will use the word redeemed. The word redeemed means to repurchase, to buy back. 
And so for Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, to, to come back into Bethlehem and have a great life, they both had to be redeemed. That means somebody had to pay a price for them. There was a cost for them. So we pick up chapter 4, verse 7. Now this was in the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. And what you must understand in this, Boaz is a, shy, a, a, a type or a shadow of Jesus is what he is. So when we read this part of redeemed, for me and you, everything points to the Lord Jesus. Everything. And so this has taken place a long time ago. This is what redeeming and exchanging looked in Jerusalem. Keep reading. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. So the taking off of the sandal would be like us a, a legal document, legal function here, a, a binding transaction. Maybe even the, the taking off the sandal would reveal this has been notarized. Wouldn't it be fun to do that again? I mean, nowadays, you buy anything. You got to go to the title company. You got to get lawyers. You know, what would just happen? We just flipped off our shoe and said, here's my sandal. I'm in. Here it is. I mean, it's pretty trustworthy. So I'm reading this about the exchange of the sandal. And when we exchange the sandal, we become redeemed. And what that looks like for me and you as Christians, according to Galatians 3.13, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law because of what Jesus did. And so because of what Jesus did, when we receive him and we come under his blood, we literally get the privilege of getting in God's shoes or God gets into our shoes. So what that means is we can now walk where we used to couldn't walk. And we can live on this earth wherever we walk under the authority of what Jesus gave us because now we're in God's shoes. And so this is what this is like. For them to do this, it's saying, I repurchased you. I bought you back. Verse 8. Therefore the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So Boaz took off his sandal, which means... He, brought, he bought Ruth and Naomi's life back from calamity, from bitterness, from even barrenness. But remember this, Boaz's redemption of Ruth is to help us understand what the Lord Jesus did for us. There was a huge price paid for us. I'm going to get to that here in just a little bit. Verse 10. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess the widow of Malan, listen to this, I've acquired as my wife. So what happens when me and you get born again? We become the bride of Christ. We become in a covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus. Why? Because he redeemed us. He redeemed every one of us in here. And his blood has marked every one of us for eternity. And so 
he gets Ruth. To perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. That the name of the dead may not be cut off among his brethren from his position at the gate. You are witnesses to this day. So we get right here. Now watch. Because God is now getting ready to write another chapter of Ruth's life. All the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman, Ruth, who has come into your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And you know what they just did over Ruth? They pronounced the blessing of God over her. They prophesied over her future. And you may ask, who's Lee and Rachel? They were the two wives of Jacob. This is where many of the, the, the original 12 tribes of Israel come out of these two women. So they're saying, there's stuff that's going to come out of your bloodline, Ruth. Verse 12. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this woman. So now, you know what's spoken over Ruth now? You're, are, you are going to be in the bloodline of the Messiah. A Moabite. A woman from the wrong side of the river. And then we get to verse 13, and it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And everybody in here says, I would like to marry a Boaz or a Ruth. And the reason we would like to have a Boaz is because we look, he was a man of integrity, he was a man of honesty, he was a man who preferred other people even above himself. But you don't find Boaz's at the nightclub. And you don't find Boaz's at the strip club. And you don't find Boaz's who their best friends, Jack Daniels. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. If that's where you're looking for a Boaz at, you're going to get Bozo's who you're going to get. You're not going to get Boaz, you're going to get dumbass. You're going to get stupid ass. See, if you want a real Boaz, a real Boaz will point you to the Lord. A real Boaz will encourage you to serve God. A real Boaz would say, the Lord Jesus has got to be priority in your life. Well, pastor, I want a Ruth. Well, why do you want a Ruth? Because we see all her qualities. She was kind. She was hardworking. She was a virtuous woman. And we'd all say, I want a Ruth. But you don't get a Ruth when you're acting like Satan and living like Lucifer. You get the world. You get a Beyonce. You don't even get Beyonce. You get Benonsense is what you get. So you get. You get Benonsense. Why do I say all that? Because a Ruth's like a Boaz. She'll point you to Jesus. She'll say Jesus has got to be priority. And so watch how Ruth's chapter in the book of her life goes down here. This is incredible. And so Boaz went. 
He went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Ruth and Boaz have a son. And they named this son Obed. And Obed had a son named Jesse the Bethlehemite. And Jesse the Bethlehemite had a son named David, or better known as King David. And so this woman named Ruth and this man named Boaz are King David's great-great-grandmother and great-great-grandfather. And the reason I want to highlight that is, just like Ruth, God's not done with your story. And it doesn't matter what side of the river you're born on, God's still got a story for you. Now let me throw in one more little nugget for you, okay? This guy named Boaz, according to Matthew 1.5, he has a mama whose name is Rahab, and the Hebrew calls her Rahab, but we're going to call her Rahab. And she's mentioned eight times in the Bible, and six of the eight times she's references Rahab the harlot. That was Boaz's mom. Boaz's mom was an oh-ho, is what she was. Pastor, you shouldn't say that. It's what the Bible said. Why, why do I highlight that? Because if you go back and you study Rahab the harlot's life, there was only one thing that graced her so that she wouldn't be killed. And they told her, put a scarlet cord in your window. And the scarlet cord was representation of the blood of Jesus. And so just like Rahab coming under the blood, Ruth comes under the blood, and me and you got to come under the blood. And according to 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says that me and you weren't were redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. We weren't repurchased with the things of this world, but we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Wow. So what do I got to do, Pastor? I got to come under the blood. What do you mean come under the blood? Well, the first thing the blood does is when I repent of my sin and ask Jesus to come into my heart, the blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness. What can't wash away my sin? Come on, sing it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Whew, Pastor, what keys that in? That's probably an L or J. You want to write down a good scripture, write this down. Psalms 107.2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, Pastor, how am I redeemed? I gave my heart to Jesus in his blood. His blood purchased me. So make this real simple. Me and you were bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice. And with it came a warranty that only Jesus could make. And you think you're getting a great bargain on tires when it's 50,000 miles, four years, nothing like the blood. The blood is eternal. But the second thing the blood does, according to, Matt, or to Revelations 12, it says the blood of the Lamb marks us as an overcomer. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And so God's not done with your, your story. God wants to write some more chapters in your life. And I'm just like you. I got some chapters that aren't real good. 
but I can't change my past. The only thing I can do with my past is I repent of it and then I let it go. And then I just live under the blood. Ooh, Lord Jesus, wash me to die. Wash me in your blood, Lord Jesus. Make me an overcomer by your blood, Lord Jesus. Why don't you stand up here with me? Ooh, the story of Ruth. Wow. The story of redemption. Just like Ruth, though, every one of us have a starting point. And that starting point is I got to give my heart to Jesus. I got to make Jesus Lord of my life. You, you can do that alone. You can do that in your bedroom. You can do that anywhere. But I believe one of the most significant places you can get born again is right here in the house of the Lord. Because the Lord said this, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So just maybe today, you need to give your heart to Jesus, or maybe you need to come back to Bethlehem today. He's going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. Maybe there's something going on in the inside of you. The Holy Spirit's working on you. Give, give your heart to me. Maybe the Holy Spirit's scratching on you. You need to make a fresh covenant with me. Just keep your, keep your head bowed right now. If you're in here right now, you've been playing games with Jesus. You, you know what that means. And just go through the motions. I speak in Christianese. I'm a saint on Sunday and a sinner the rest of the days. The, the reason I'm doing that right now because God's targeting somebody or someone's in here. And, and if that's you today, you know what? We're going to be like the people of Bethlehem. We're going to cheer you. We're going to cheer you to come on. If that's you today, just get right out of your seat, right out of that aisle, and come down here make a stand for the Lord today. Thank you. Thank you for obeying. Thank you for obeying. Come on, come on. There's some more obeyers in here. Thank you. Come on, come on. God, God loves you. I'm telling you, God loves you. God loves you. else even if you're here today and you say I got three strikes against me well, God's the great umpire he had called you out yeah you that are down here and everybody else in here that if you feel comfortable come on let's raise your hands here to heaven I believe God's going to do something not only are people going to get saved and rededicated here but I, I believe God's going to stir in all our hearts Man, maybe you need a spiritual jump start today. That's, that's our prayer today. And everyone in here, as we stand before the Lord, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today, Lord Jesus. And I repent of my sin.
I repent of playing spiritual games. And I'm coming back to you. I give you all my heart, Lord Jesus. And I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I pray a fresh covenant with you. And I thank you I'm born again. Now, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge your blood. And I come under your blood today. And I thank you for cleansing me from all righteousness. And thank you for marking me as an overcomer. Come on, let's, let's clap to the Lord here. Now listen to me. God, God, God some of you in here, God, God is wanting to write a, a, another chapter in your life. And there's many of you that God doesn't just have another chapter. He's got actually a whole other novel about you. He, he's wanting to start writing. He, he's, the, he's the author and the omega. He's the alpha and the, uh, the author and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the script writer to our soul. And so if, you, if you've been hung up on mobile, I've been on the wrong side of the river. If you've been hung up because of your past, I'm telling you, you need to come forward today because I believe God's going to do something in here right now. He's going to put a fresh touch upon you. And another thing, if you're in here and, and you're dating a bozo, run. Run. And if you're dating a, a non-Ruth, run. Those are words for a couple of you right there. Run. Run for us. God wants to touch hearts here, okay? Maybe you've experienced death. Maybe you've experienced hurt. Maybe you've been rejected. But God's a God of a, a covenant through the blood of Jesus. He still connects dots. He still takes messes and makes miracles. So if you have a desire right now, say, man, I, I need a touch of God. We welcome. They're going to sing, and we're going to welcome you down here, okay? Go ahead. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.